Uh, so if you'd like to make your way there, if you read your Bible on your phone, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, also, and if you can make your way to John chapter 20, and I'm going to read a few verses starting at verse 19 and go through to verse 23. So we're going to read together from John's Gospel. Chapter 20, starting at verse 19. This lovely passage of one of the last times as recorded in John's Gospel when Jesus appears to the disciples and speaks words of affirmation and life into their lives as individuals and as a community. Verse 19 of John 20 says this. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Lord, we pray that in the same way that you inspired John to write these words, that you would inspire our hearts and minds as we reflect on them together. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. try and skip over some of my intro here for time's sake. We are bringing to, bringing to an end a, a short three-week series that we have been in the middle of as a community called Advent Living. And we've been exploring on and off over the last couple of weeks how Advent is the season that haps, happens in the, um, the calendar year of the church where the church makes room and space for two things in particular, um, expectation and repentance. It's a time in the calendar year of the church where we raise our expectation and we ask and pray that God would continue to break into our, um, our lives in new ways. And alongside of that, we practice repentance in um, in raising our expectations and in aiming to make more room for Jesus in our lives, we become all the more aware of where our lives are just too busy, where our lives are full and where there isn't room for Jesus. And we pray, Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for how distracted we are, not just in terms of Christmas, but in general. Forgive us where where we've lost sight of you, Jesus, 
and where we have lost sight of ourselves, which brings us to this community and our journey into Advent, Christmas, and the new year. Over the past two weeks, we've looked at the practice of silence, what it means to um, mirror Jesus', Jesus own withdrawal, spending time with the Father, and the practice of simplicity, thinking about reflecting on what does it mean to do Christmas this year with less and distraction with less worry about finances and whether or not we've got enough. And today we're, we're going to be adding to that this final practice of story, which in short really is ultimately all about learning to ask the question of how can we learn to share our faith with other people as a part of a discipline of what it means to be a Christian. And I'm going to spend a few minutes toward the end of our time But really, I suppose, the main thing I wanted to start out by giving us a bit of an image for this. Becky, don't want to single anyone out, but it's one of the benefits of being married to the minister in charge. You get to pick on you, and it doesn't really cost me anything. Uh, It might, might, she says. Um, All of a sudden, I feel like changing my mind. Um, Becky is what I would call a sharer. Maybe you're married to one. Maybe you know uh, someone just like her. I don't just mean she's kind. She probably is the kindest person I know. But sharers are different. Sharers enjoy what they're eating more if you taste it too. I can't relate in any way whatsoever. What's mine is mine. What's yours is mine. (laughs) That's the way our marriage works. Like if we're out for a meal and she's enjoying the mouthful of food that she's chewing on, she really lets you know it. And sometimes, to my shame, she lets everybody in the restaurant know it too. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, you've got to taste this. This is awesome. It's a little embarrassing. And she doesn't really care what people think of her. Uh, I've tried to encourage her to think otherwise uh, over the 21 years that we've been married. At the top of her voice, she'll just barrel out, Oh, honey, you've got to try this. Even when she's looking forward to eating something she's warming at the, in the microwave, she hums to herself. It's like a, like a, like a, like a, a, a food I'm looking forward to eat song. <laughs> It's just embarrassing. Sometimes we'll be out for, out for a meal, and I'm just trying to get ordered to move on through this process, and she wants to have a conversation with the person serving us. What's good? What do you like? What's your favorite thing on the menu? I'm just like, I don't care. I've, I come in here, I know what I want. Chicken wings. I've come in here, I know what I want. A double cheeseburger, if it's Bunsen, that is. You haven't had a Bunsen burger. Anyway, I'll move on. What have you tried? What's your favorite, she'll ask. And I'm like, who cares? All of a sudden, I'm a third wheel on a date with my wife as they, she talks to uh, the person. But regardless of what happens, regardless of what the experience is, inevitably, I'm going to find myself in this place where she is communicating, oh, honey, you've got to taste this. You have got to try this. It's amazing. Becky is a sharer. 
And as random as that might think, it probably has quite a lot more to do with John chapter 20 than you might think at first. Because this sharer posture, I think, is probably helps us to access this beating heart of the text as ultimately Jesus calls us to see ourselves in the light of what it means to be sharers, to be able to say to and our lives to point to the fact that our lives are different from knowing Jesus Christ. This is a huge sea of of a text, John chapter 20, but there's three things in particular it connects us with. I'm going to try and blaze through them here. Identity, purpose, and empowerment. Remind, just reminded, these are Jesus' last moments with the disciples as John uh, would uh, remember them to us. His parting words are focused on a very simple foundational truth, which is, which is this. Verse 21, if you've got it open in front of you, to look at it again. This fascinating sentence that Jesus leads with. Just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now remember what we're doing is what we're doing here is that we're talking about identity. And actually there's a very, very short list of passages within Scripture where we get a glimpse of something of Jesus' own self-understanding, where it's clear to us what it is that Jesus understood about himself, his life, and his ministry. Foundationally, Jesus understood that he had been sent by the Father. And that was kind of like one of the main pistons in the engine of his heart and in his mind and his soul and his life. It was part of what gave his life meaning and purpose. He had been sent by the Father. And just in moments later, in in, in this moment where we see Jesus' self-understanding, right after us, we catch a glimpse too of what Jesus' sense of what our lives were all about. In the same way as the Father has sent me, so I send you. If you're wondering what it means to be a Christian, if you're maybe on the fence in terms of what you believe about faith, this is one of the things that will really, really help you. In understanding, firstly, who Jesus is, we, in, these, in these words we learn something about the very nature and heart of God. And we learn something about our own lives too. In the same way the Father sent me, so I send you. But there's more. We see our identity and we see Jesus there. But alongside of identity sits purpose. Now, any non-meat eaters, forgive me, uh, I couldn't help but see this passage as needing us to visit uh, what this According to John 20, we're not just sent people, so I send you, but we are to follow in the way that Jesus himself was sent, which is the way of incarnation. Now, this, this is what Advent helps us to remember and celebrate. Incarnation is a fascinating word. Maybe it's something that you're very familiar, but really all it means is enfleshment. It comes from the same word that we use for carnal, 
And in the same way, you have chili con carne, which means chili with meat, with flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. John, uh, in the beginning of his gospel, actually puts it like this in the message translation. God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. The picture here, again, in terms of if we think about through the lens of identity, this isn't God at a distance. This is God's movement toward us. This is God's taking on of humanity to reach humanity. God became one of us. Jesus became human. And so when we sing our songs and our carols, and as we prepare for the road toward Christmas carols and the Christmas carol service and Advent and the Christingle and all of those different things, the story that we're going to be singing, that the miracle that we see happening in the stable is the incarnation of God, God becoming flesh and moving into the neighborhood. One final simple thought before, from this text before wrapping up. I'm, I'm aware that to talk about what it means to be sent can seem very functional. I was told this week that the, the word sent isn't a particularly attractive one. It sounds like, you know, like when I think about when I was sent out of the room. It, it normally meant I was in trouble again. Uh, which I don't need to go into great detail, but it was something I got quite good at uh, in my early years. But it's important that we see that this is not just a case of being, okay, you were like Jesus, and he's sending us out into the world to be light-shining, incarnational, sent Christians there. But just look at verse 22, if you've got it open in front of you. Alongside of... Identity and purpose comes empowerment. Before Jesus uh, finishes speaking, he gives us one final steer in terms of the source of the scent and incarnational life that he calls us to lead. Now, this is significant. I love it. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, can any of you think at any other point in the Scriptures where we see God breathing uh, a creation? So right here at the very, very end of John's Gospel, remember, these are his parting words, his last moments. In breathing on the disciples, he's recreating this creation narrative backdrop. And he's saying, I'm doing it again. Humanity has lost its way. And the way in which you represent me has been distorted. But I am moving again in a way to put that, to set that right again. 
Receive the Holy Spirit. This is another way of saying, I gave you life in all of its fullness, and now I'm breathing on humanity again. I'm giving you my spirit. I'm remaking you. I'm empowering you to work with me as I redeem the world that I love and made. The point being that as we engage with this idea of what it means to share our story, the storied people of God, As we share our stories, we move out beyond these four walls. And as we aim to share our faith with the people in our lives, we need to continually be breathing in the presence of God. And that's why silence and simplicity are so important. Making sure there's room in our lives for Jesus. That we're practicing the presence of God. To make sure that we're withdrawing enough. That we're not filling our lives so much to the point of capacity that there isn't room or time or space for anything else. We need to be refreshing ourselves, pursuing God. So that we know how and where and with whom to share our story. It means continually relying on God so that we can move in step with him, with inspired direction, with the right words to say, and compassion for others, and faith for the journey. As we've already been describing this morning as we pray for Graham and Louise, we need faith. We need faith for this journey. So what could it look like for you to put story into practice this Advent? We're thinking about... Practices that we're trying to see worked out in our lives as opposed to just things that we're wrestling with um, mentally. What does it look like? Anytime uh, as a pastor I speak about what it means or what, what it might look like for us to begin sharing our faith, there's a little bit of a recoil. It's like, what are you going to be asking me to do? This is, just so you know, just so you just kind of, kind of all relax, the next two to three minutes, this isn't about sending us all out with tracks after the service to try and knock on all the doors around us and to try and kind of, you know, embarrass us and go and speak to as many strangers as we can today. That's not where I'm headed with this. The starting point for me with the practice of story, it always starts with prayer. We've got to learn how to pray with the perspective of John 20. But I'm curious, how many of you are actively praying for friends and family to find faith? I'm not asking you to put your hands up. But in terms of a practice that we might consider putting into play this Advent, how many of us are praying family and friends to find faith? Are you doing that? If you aren't, you should be. I want to encourage you to do that because it makes a difference. It might be that God calls you to pray for just one person. But who is that person? Who is that one person that God's calling you to pray for? Who will you be praying for this Advent? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Advent is running from December 2nd through to December 24th. You've got four weeks. Who is it that you might pray for this coming Advent? What family member? What colleague? What neighbor? What per- Maybe it's somebody that you study with. 
Who is it that you're going to be praying might find faith this Christmas? In my experience, God rarely calls us to pray for people to find faith on our own. So I do want to be encouraging you to pray. But I want you to be thinking about who are you going to tell? And this is why connect groups are so important. We've done this before countless times. This is the person I'm praying to find faith. Who is it that you're going to tell you're one person to in the community, in St. Catharines? If you're not a part of a community, a connect group, I really want you to think about reconsidering that. People to do life with, people to share faith with. Who are you walking out your faith with? Working out your faith with? And if you don't know who that is, if you don't know who your one person is, it might involve asking questions like, Lord, what are you doing in the lives of the people around me? What are you doing in the lives of the people at work? This is not about launching yourself unexpectedly at somebody at the photocopier at work. If, if that's what you're hearing, you're totally misunderstanding me. It's about sharing our faith opening the curtains, letting people see into our interior world, into our lives, into our motivations. And Sam brought us there in part with the whole simplicity conversation from last week. But it might involve asking questions like, who are the people that I feel I can really be myself with? Who are the friends that you feel like you can be yourself with? Who are the friends or the family members or the people in your life that are interested in the fact that you go to church, even if they think you're mad? But who is it that keeps bringing it up? It could be a sign. It could be uh, somebody who's, who's closer than you think. Who's often the person asking you questions about what you believe? Maybe there's a bridge there. Maybe there's a way of having a conversation. Who is it that you have found in the past that you're happy to share your faith openly and naturally with. It's going to involve thinking about our family, friends, people at work and college, and learning with God to notice where we can see God at work, and then praying with expectation for God to move there. But after prayer comes action. After prayer, the practice of story needs to move to action. Remember, thinking back to the story I told about Becky, God calls us to be sharers. Who are the people in your life that you're saying to, you've got to try this. You're going to love this. You should come to church with me. Who is that person? There's three phrases about action, and then we can pray. The first is that timing is everything. The second is use what's in your hands. And the third is the art of the small. I was thinking about reflecting on these simple things this morning. Timing is everything. I've already covered this. This isn't launching yourself unsuspectedly at a, at, at a total random stranger at work or in the lift. Don't do that. Don't just launch yourself on a total stranger in a lift. It doesn't work. I've tried it. <laughs> Story nearly always works best when it's rooted in relationship. 
And we've talked about this again and again and again over the months. We're not trying to reach people's heads with ideas here. We're trying to invite people to see the life of God in you. That's always going to be the best advertisement for faith, that people can see the life of God in you. The question is, what do they see when they look at your life? Do they see good adverts for following Jesus and the kingdom? There have been times where having been prompted, I have shared my, I have shared my faith with a Christian, with a non-Christian, somebody who I'd never met before. And I, I, this has been my experience. I'm not saying this is everyone's experience, but I've never experienced somebody coming to faith as a result of me sharing my faith with a total stranger that I've never met. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I've heard stories and testimonies of the fact that it has totally worked and been timely for somebody. I was at a, at a, um, a meeting a couple of months back, and the person I was with decided to share his faith with the waitress in a really public way in front of everybody that was at the table. She was absolutely mortified. And she wasn't ready. She wasn't open at all. But this person, I don't know if he, if he, if he said that he would have been read, that he felt prompted to do this. But for me, it's just another example of if you're out for dinner with your friends and it seems like the most natural and normal thing for you to share your faith in a public way with strangers, just, just go, go, go easy. Take your time. Make sure you've heard from God. And don't put people under pressure to say something or to choose one thing or another. I'm not saying don't do it if you're prompted to do, but my experience over the last 20-something years is that what works best in terms of an advertisement for faith is you. And when somebody says, you don't talk about the boss in the same way as other people do, why is it that you go to church? Why is it this? Why is it that? That's my experience. It's not always the case but it's been the lion's share of my experience. Story means sharing life. It means being open about our faith with the people that we're with all the time and learning how to invite them into relationship with God. Secondly, use what's in your hands. What are you already doing? A lot of the time people say to me, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for doing this on top of everything else. And a lot of the time it's because people are misunderstanding me. This isn't about needing to take more time out. This isn't about another night in the week. This isn't another weekend in the, in, the, in the month. It's about learning to see the everyday rhythms of our lives as opportunities for mission and ministry. When you're at the shops, when you're at the school gate, when you're with a friend, when you're with a colleague, when you're with a neighbor, looking to see what God is doing there. And if you're, if you're called to, to give some kind of language to it when someone is saying about their failing marriage, when someone is saying about their sense of hopelessness or lack of a sense of purpose in their lives, say to them, you know I, I'm a believer, you know I go to church. Is there, would, you, would you be interested in coming along? It's, it's not this constantly drilling people, but when there's an opportunity and when there's a moment to be able to at that point say, you know I'm a Christian, you know this is what I believe, would you be interested in coming? If you're going for a walk, invite that friend. If you're having a Sunday roast, invite that one person. 
If you're off to do your weekly shop, is there somebody else that you could bring to the shops while you could do your shopping at the same time? This is what we did to build community in London all the time. We would often go shopping together. We would often do a lot of people, because they don't want to be cooking meals every night of the week, they um, bulk cook. Does anybody do that? No. Okay, some people do. Um, who, who, there, there might be other people who are doing that. Why don't you just go to the shops and then do cooking for the week or for a couple of days together instead of everybody doing it apart? Using the things that you're already doing. What social stuff can you invite people to where your church friends could meet that one person? It could be a very low-key and non-pressured environment. And then finally, the le- learning the art of the small is really all about service. Our next-door neighbor, she's just had um, uh, one of her hips replaced. So we've just been looking in on her. It's just about kindness. She needs her, one of her pets fed. Evelyn has been doing that for her. It's about walking the, across the room at, when you're on a break at work and introducing yourself to somebody that you don't know all that well. It's about choosing to go out for lunch with everybody instead of eating on your own at your desk. It might cost you a bit more money, but it could be totally worth it. Serving people in small and simple ways over time, I think, develops the relationships that story can take root in. Not always, but sometimes. Sometimes the person that you serve in a simple way can become an opportunity for seeing somebody to come into the kingdom of God. We need to be asking for this. Who's your one person? Who are you going to invite to the carol service? So I wonder, which of these pieces in these different slides, what is it that stands out most to you? What, what do you think that you could put into practice this Advent? Just a reminder, Advent is going to be starting on December 2nd through to the 24th. How are you going to mark Advent this year? And as we practice silence and simplicity, how are we going to practice story? Who are you going to share your faith with? It doesn't have to be these big, huge risk-type moments, although at times it can be. A lot of the time, it's about putting one foot in front of the other and trying small things as an act of service to see a relationship develop that maybe story can take root in. Who's your one person? Who are you praying for to find faith this Advent? Let's stand and pray.
if the band could come back up, that'd be, that'd be great. What I'd love you to do is just to sit with that final question in terms of the one person that you're praying for to find faith. I'd love you, just in a moment of quiet and stillness, just to, be, just to ask God about that. Prayer, in the end, is just another way of talking about our conversation with God. Just in a moment of conversation, just ask Him, Lord, speak, speak to me, show me. Who's the one person that you're calling me to pray for? Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's someone on the road where you live. It could be a family member. Maybe you know who the person is, but you just feel like you need to learn how to see an opportunity to share faith when it comes up. Why don't you just... Begin just as we pray, just ask God to provide us with opportunities to share our faith, to tell our story. Lord, in this moment, in the same way that you breathed on your disciples, we pray that you would breathe on us. And we pray what the church has prayed for ages and ages, which is, come Holy Spirit. Maybe you'll pray those words with me. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would have eyes to see what you're doing in our relationships. Give us eyes to see what you're doing in the lives of the people around us. I pray that we'd be courageous and bold and not ashamed of you. Lord, where our confidence lacks because of just knowing the right thing to say, the right time to say it, Lord, would you give us courage and help where we need it. Spirit of God, fall afresh on us.
to um, have ministry time here um, at the top uh, left hand side of the church if you like somebody to stand with you and to pray for you please don't hesitate come on out and have somebody pray for you I know the team will be just so happy to do that um, I'm going to pray uh, and release us and the band will just continue to play grace Lord, thank you for um, this time together this morning. We pray, God, for your blessing, the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to be with us and remain with us always. Amen. Well, have a great day. Uh, Enjoy the start of your week. Feel free. There's tea and coffee uh, available upstairs. If you can stay, please do. Don't feel like you've got to rush away. And if you'd like the ministry team to pray for you, do come on out and uh, get someone to pray for you. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close can't compare your all-living home your presence Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free Shame is undone Your presence, Lord Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Comfort this place and fill the atmosphere Your glory God is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your presence Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome Comfort this place and fill the atmosphere Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for overcome by your presence Lord your presence Lord let us become more aware of your presence let us experience glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your 